We're just a lot of talk. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for your further listening pleasure, TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. Let's return to All Things Employment with Vicki Causa on TalkZone.com. Hey, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the first segment of the show. We talked a little bit about how to improve your presentation skills and how to become a better communicator and perhaps even a better leader by looking up a local Toastmaster club. So if you haven't had the chance to do that, I really would suggest you do it. Again, no obligation. There's, you know, there's certainly not going to be any hard sell, nothing to buy. Nobody's going to push you into anything, but it, honestly and truly is a great, great organization that can certainly help you improve in an area that many, many people find daunting. Again, it has been said, and I think it's true, that you'd rather get a tooth pulled than speak in front of a group of people, and this is a great way to get yourself away from that fear. So if you have the chance, take a look, look it up. If you want to ask me questions about it, call me or email me, and I'll be happy to talk more about it. Okay, what I want to talk about now is the whole idea of furloughs and what exactly that means. As I mentioned at the top of the show, when Chrysler recently furloughed people and GM, now that they've gone bankrupt, are, has, are talking about furloughing people by way of closing plants for a certain amount of time and furloughing people, but not just the big auto companies. Major companies have announced furlough plans, you know, companies like, you know, DuPont and Dell and Gannett Newspapers, American Airlines and, and, and the like have been talking about furlough. And it almost seems like there's become a frenzy of this in corporate America. And, and I think there's a lot of unknowns in furloughs. Now, I was a guest this morning on a radio program down in Virginia. And they, the question really was just about furloughs. And what does that mean? And what's the difference? And, you know, if I'm let go, if I'm fired, if I'm furloughed, it, it all means the same, right? Well, no, it's really not true. There is a big difference in being furloughed and or being let go or being laid off. So I want to, you know, kind of go over some information with you here so you have a good understanding of exactly what the difference is. Now, when people talk about furloughs, what they're really asking to do or they're planning is having sending workers home for a few days or a few weeks without pay. Now, in the employer's mind, this is a great way to cut costs, right? Because they're not paying you for your 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 um your paycheck is not being cut for that particular week so really you're getting a week off without pay but a couple of things as employees i would suggest that you ask to make sure that you understand before you accept a furlough now we'll talk a bit about whether it's mandatory or voluntary and, and what that may mean but when your employer mentions furlough the one of the first things you might want to ask is is this how is that going to affect my company's seniority if I'm furloughed, does that mean I'm off the company books for that week or does it just mean that I am not going to be paid for that week? Are my benefits going to be continuing while I'm furloughed? You know, those, these are questions that employees need to ask and employers need to be prepared to answer. So if they tell you you're going to be furloughed, these are some of the things you might want to know. Now, many labor experts say that it's, that this has created what I'd call an angst in the workplace and I think it's true. Many employees and employers are really unclear what does furlough mean to the morale, the productivity, and then, by the way, the nation's employment laws? What happens when you're furloughed as far as unemployment? Now, I think, you know, a lot of people have, have thought of or a lot of companies have decided to use furloughs as a supplement to layoff, right? So they're going to lay off a great deal of people, and then they're also probably going to furlough some people. Now, Watson White, which is a big uh, employment services company, did a survey not long ago, and they said that 17% of employers 
surveyed in April said that they had initiated mandatory furloughs, and that's up 11% from the previous month. Now, another recent survey by human resources company Hewitt Associates surveyed 518 firms and found that 70% had implemented or were considering implementing furloughs. Now, even though it's better than the alternative, which is getting laid off, it still can cause an economic hardship for employees. Now, think about this for a second, and this is one of the things I mentioned this morning on the radio program that I was on. You know, furloughs might sound like, okay, so it's a it's a week off without pay, big deal. That's what employers are thinking. But I think they lose sight of the fact that many employees live from week to week, from paycheck to paycheck. Things have been so hard on so many people that perhaps a spouse has been let go totally or lost a job, and now the spouse who's continued to work is going to be asked to take a week off without pay. What happens? What does that mean? I mean, on the surface, it looks easy enough for an employer to say, yeah, we're going to ask you to take a couple days off and not pay you. So it looks like, well, you have some time to stay home and enjoy the the warm weather that's coming. But what about daycare, childcare? You're still probably going to be, you know, having to pay the week's worth of childcare money, even if your child is only in childcare for three or four days. Most daycare centers are set up that you pay by the week. Not by the day. So if you're going to be furloughed, employers need to understand this has more of an impact on, on in companies, on, on employees rather than just a week without pay. Now, it happens more and more, and there seems to be lots of issues and, and speculation. There could be lots of lawsuits coming around this. I really believe that, you know, people feel that if they were furloughed, if they're being furloughed, they're not 100% sure of what that means, so they'll automatically think or Try to look at it from a legal standpoint. What does it mean for me legally? And then with some large furloughs where you talk about letting people go like the auto industry and people are gone for a certain amount of time, they may then be banging up against what we call the WARN Act, which we had talked about once before on our show, which is the Workers Adjustment and Retraining Notification Act, which means if there is a mass layoff or a mass termination of employees of a 100 or more in a plant or within a certain time period, that employer then may be subject to paying those employees a certain amount of money when they are let go. So, for instance, if you say you're furloughed, and then you come back and they lay you off, that may trigger the WARN Act, which I don't believe enough employers have enough real good knowledge of what that means and what those triggers are. So if you are an employee that has been told or has been asked to take a furlough, these are some of the things you might want to know. Now, again, some of these furloughs may be mandatory, which means you don't have the option of saying, gee, no, I can't afford to and I need to stay. But even if it's mandatory, you need to ask those questions. How does it affect my seniority? What about my benefits? Can I apply for unemployment? Now, again, furloughs are anything but simple alternatives to layoffs. They're really not. It's another way of saving money, but it's not an alternative to a layoff. Now, I think a lot of people wonder about these things, and I've gotten a lot of questions about this. If I'm a salaried employee, can I be furloughed? Now, let's talk for a second what that means, a salaried employee. Basically speaking, there are government regulations that govern who is a salaried employee and who is a an employee that works on an hourly basis. And simply it, it, it works around – there's a couple of rules and regulations it works around. But for simplification, if you are entitled to overtime, you are a non-salaried employee. You are an hourly employee. If you are not entitled to overtime, which means you are exempt from overtime money, you are a salaried employee. Now, generally speaking, a salaried employee, even if they work only five or ten minutes a day 
are entitled to full pay because they're not entitled to overtime pay for any hours worked over 40. And for most of you out there who are salaried employees or no salaried employees, you do know that you work probably more than 40 hours a week on, you know, generally speaking and don't get that overtime pay. So those legal statutes are in place for those particular purposes for folks who are not hourly but yet are salaried. So the question is, if I'm, fur- if I'm furloughed, if I am a salaried employee, can I be furloughed? And can I file for unemployment inf- insurance when I'm on furlough? And what if I work while I'm on furlough? Well, some of these questions, and because this is coming so fast and furious, really there's no specific answers to, honestly. And some of them vary by state to state, especially when we're talking about unemployment. Now, if you are an administrative employee or a professional employee who are exempt from overtime pay and you're paid a yearly salary, you can be furloughed, but there are restrictions on how these furloughs can be conducted. Now, the way the nation's law, labor laws are written, an employee who is exempt from overtime and covered under the FLSA, which is the Fair Labor Standards Act, must be paid for a full week of work, even if they do not work one or two days during that week. So if your employer says to you, asks you to work on Monday and Tuesday, but sends you home without pay for the rest of the week, under the labor laws, that employee could lose his or her exempt status, and that changes when they come back. Now, many employers have gotten around this by making their salaried workforce take a full week at a time. So think about this for a second. If you are a salaried employee, again, not entitled to overtime pay, if you are a salaried employee and you take a week off without pay, that does that has no impact on your status. But if your employer asks you to take off a couple of days here and there without pay, it certainly can affect your status as a, as a non-exempt employee. So these things have to be taken into consideration. Now, these restrictions apply only if an employer makes the furlough mandatory. As I said before, there's a big difference. If your managers ask you to voluntarily take one day off during the week, then the overtime exemption is not jeopardized. So again, if they tell you you have to take the time off during the week, if it's mandatory, it can affect what happens. But if it's voluntary, then it really doesn't affect the, the exemption for overtime when you return. Now, of course, that raises the question of what is voluntary in a corporate environment where almost all workers are being afraid to be let go. You know, they're saying, well, if I can be fired at any time, I suppose if they suggest I take a break for a month, I should do it. Is that the right thing to do? Well, you know, there's, there's different ways to look at it. There are, you know, there has to be no adverse consequences if you decide to keep working. So again, if your employer comes to you and says, we need for you to take off time, we'd like you to volunteer to take off time and you say you really can't, they should not then look at you in a different light and or decide to take an adverse action against you because they are asking you to volunteer for something that you're not prepared to do. However, if they make it mandatory, then that's a different situation. Then you certainly have to think about, well, if I fight it and my job gets, I get let go, what is that going to mean to me in the long run? So the one thing that you've heard me say, if you've listened to the show at all, always, always document everything that's said to you when it comes time for any kind of an evaluation, any kind of an investigation, any kind of a job action that this certainly falls under. Make sure you have all of your documentation and that you are clear with what was said, what's been expected, what your response was and what the reaction of your employer was so that if the time comes and if something happens that you need to prove that you were asked to do something that you weren't prepared to do, you have that all in documentation. So make sure you have that. Now, when we talk again about furloughs and being in unemployment benefits, 
you may still be able to collect unemployment if you have been furloughed. So what you need to do and what I would suggest you do is if you are furloughed, you need to contact your state unemployment office immediately and make sure what their rules and regulations are. You should file for unemployment. They will step you through the process and ask questions about how long will you be out, what was the message given by the employer, and you may be able to get intermittent unemployment for the time that you're out. There is no guarantee, and you need to check with each state. Each state has different laws. In California, you have to wait before you get your unemployment money. In Connecticut, there is no waiting period. So depending on where you live, what state you're, you're doing business in, you need to know and make sure that you have all the information that you that you possibly can use. You should contact the state agency that oversees unemployment in the area, the state that you live in, so that you know exactly what you're entitled to. Now, let's talk for a second about furloughs and doing work. Now, how many of you out there, like myself included, when I was working for a corporation, I was addicted to my BlackBerry, or as my family would call it, the CrackBerry, as everybody else has has seemed to call it. No matter where I was in the world, no matter where I was on vacation or family holiday, I had the BlackBerry with me in case they needed me or in case something was happening that I needed to be aware of right away. Well, when you're furloughed, when you are an exempt employee or even a non-exempt employee who may have a BlackBerry, you cannot be expected to, now I can't stress this enough, you cannot be expected to do any work during that furlough period. You should not check voicemails. You should not check email. You should not look at your BlackBerry. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Anything you do related to work would then imply that you should be paid for that. And then trying to prove that to your employer or trying to make sure that you get the money that you feel you're entitled to is going to be a very tough hill to climb. So again, I can't stress it enough for those of you out there who are very dedicated to your, to your work. And there are many of you, and I consider myself one of them. You need to really shut the computer off, shut off the BlackBerry, turn off the cell phone, and not do the work for the day or the time that you've been furloughed. Now, of course, when you go back, there'll be extra work or extra responsibilities or whatever the case may be, but you need to understand the ramifications. You will not be paid for that work. You should be paid for that work, but in all likelihood, the company is not going to be in a receptive mood to want to pay you, nor is that the policy or the reasons behind what the furlough actually means. So make sure you understand it. Go into it with your eyes open and recognize that there are risks on both sides. So make sure that you understand that. I can't stress that enough. Again, we're talking right now about furloughs and what that means. If an employee has been furloughed or has been asked to be to take a furlough, which is temporary time off without pay, you'll want to make sure you know what your rights are to be recalled. You want to make sure sure what you know that you know what your rights are as far as benefit continuation or seniority within the company. So give us a call if you can. We're at 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. Now, what I want to do too is talk a little bit about some of the mail that we've gotten in. I've gotten as I mentioned before quite a bit of mail from listeners all around the country, actually all around the world who uh, download the show or have seen the website and have sent some questions onto the website. So I want to share with you some of the questions that come in. And again, I will share questions and answers that are relevant to a wider audience. Now, I got a question here from Jane in Pittsburgh, and she asks this. There are a lot of job offers on the Internet, and I'm not always sure about what to send or if the jobs are legitimate. Do you have any suggestions? This is what I would say to Jane and anybody else looking out there. Everybody should be diligent in this electronic age, but probably never more than right now. Job hunters should be keenly aware of certain scams that are popping up within the world of employment search. 
one of the most important items that I mentioned in my seminars and on any kind of calls that I'm on is to keep safety in mind when searching for online, searching online for a job. Now I've talked, I'll give you here some tips and warning signs to keep in mind as you continue to look for your next opportunity. The first thing, foremost, and I think I mentioned this on a couple of shows, or and if I haven't, I will mention it any time that anybody asks, do not pay someone to find you a job. Legitimate recruiters, headhunters, agencies, etc. do not charge a fee to place you in a job. However, there may be charges for services that include resume writing, career counseling, interview skills training. These are services that will help you enhance your chances of landing a new position. And you may choose to accept them or not, but always ask clarification before you agree to any service that is offered or any service that requires you to pay for something. Now, again, I don't want to discount the legitimate services out there that do help you in a variety of ways. But if someone is telling you that you list with them and they will place you in a job or almost guaranteeing that they will put you in a position, do not do not take part in that and make sure you turn around and run as fast as you can. But if there's a company that's promising you a service or promising you something in return for fee, that's certainly fine. But I would always, again, caution that you look into that company to make sure that it's legit and above board. The second thing I'd say is do not divulge your social security number on a job application on the Internet. Don't make it easy for an identity thief to make you a victim. The third thing I say is you set up a separate email account for when you're Searching for your job search, it's quite possible that your name and email addresses will be sold to various vendors. Of course, now this is in result to you receiving a multitude of those work at home or get rich quick offers. You don't want this information to clog up your personal email. So once you land your new opportunity, you can simply shut down the email account and that spam and junk mail will, will be gone. So it's free to open up a new email account. I highly suggest that you do it. Now, again, beware of misspellings and grammatical errors in ads. These may be the result of poor placement by the agency. So before you submit your credentials, research the company thoroughly. Don't send information unless you're comfortable that it's a legitimate company, that it's a legitimate offer, that it's a legitimate organization who will use your information to the, for your benefit only. Now, again, no viable, legitimate employer will ask for identity verification such as a copy of your license or any other ID through the Internet. If you're asked for this information, politely decline and move on. Now, again, as I say, too, in in answer to Jane's question, while there may be some very legitimate work-from-home offers out there, beware of any of those that require you to register, pay a fee to get started, or require you to buy their products for training. Now, again, I'm going to say there are some very legitimate companies out there who have offers or have opportunities for you to do direct sales with them. And it's very possible that it would require you then that you need to buy something from them or in, enroll in their training opportunities or just, you know, be able to get as much information about their company as possible. If that's something you are interested in, absolutely make sure that you get as much information as you can. You're comfortable with what they're doing. Try to talk to people who have been involved with the company and get information before you give anybody money. There are a lot of people out there who are just out there for themselves, and I really want to help you avoid that. So we'll be taking a break now. We'll be back in a few minutes, and we'll be talking more about the mailbag and what came in. And if you have any questions, feel free to give us a call, 888-463-6748. 